You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Awesome. Andrew, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your life. And uh, it was great to hear about Bailey and her life. We are in our gifted series as a church. And uh, we're going to complete it. at the uh, Next week will be our last of the series on gifted. Uh, but we're going to talk today uh, about the idea of gifted. And we're going to bring in National Women's History Month. And so um, today, the title of the lesson is The Gift of Women. Amen. The Gift of Women. I do believe that women are absolutely not just a gift to men, but a gift to all of humanity and the very creation itself. There's a certain complexity and intuition and a wisdom that we're going to talk about today that I think will inspire and lead us to an understanding of God in a way we can't without understanding God's uh, second creation after man, which was really the advanced version, a lot of women would say, right? I live with four, uh, three great women, but I have four in my life. Um, I have my wife, Carrie, my daughter, Caitlin, my mother-in-law, Lynn, and my new daughter-in-law, Jasmine. And what a blessing to have these four women in my life. Um, I learned so much about life from these women. I experienced the nature of God's goodness through my relationship with all four of them. Uh, it is not an easy thing to engage with four women when I'm, the, you know, luckily I'm not the only guy in the house. I have my son, both my sons helping me out. But uh, most of the time I do feel a little bit outnumbered and that's okay. Women are incredible. And I want to begin to teach a little bit about how I think they can lead us to a comprehensive understanding of God. So let's look here in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Both men and women are image bearers of God. We each reveal God. And I put before all of us that without both male and female, the image of God is not revealed to the creation. And like I said, oftentimes, women... And I, I think rightly can feel like they're the upgraded version a little bit, right? They were made after. We read in this passage right here in Genesis chapter 2. It says, for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. I don't believe this is only talking about marriage. I believe God, he had a plan so that we could understand his nature. And Man, typically, we're, we're, we're typically, now all things we find in life have exceptions. But typically the man is the rational, 
uh, you know, A to B, you know, A plus B equals C. That's our minds are the more rational brain. And the women are the more intuitive. Uh, not always as rational. They're, not that they're not, but there's a, a great sense of creativity that goes with a woman's heart and mind. That if we're not willing to see things from that perspective, we miss the nature of God. We need both to experience the full image of God. Interestingly, woman was made from man, but we know that all men come from women. And if you notice in the passage right here, it says that a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. He needs, man needs woman. Women need men because we were created to reveal the glory of God. And like I said, I don't think it only involves marriage. We live on this earth together for a purpose. And our Lord Jesus did not get married. Essentially, his marriage was to the body of Christ, to the church itself, right? Some of the great leaders of all time weren't married. But we do have a sense of partnership on earth to reveal the glory of God to the world. And women are this incredible gift that reveals that to so many. Certainly, no women are incredibly hospitable. It's a, a lot of men are too, all right? But women have that, that woman's touch, which is so uh, spectacular, right? We got to enjoy it every, every Sunday. You guys get to enjoy the women's touch with our table over there. I do want to hold up my, my mother-in-law, Lynn, and the whole team, the hospitality team. Uh, amen. And I know that last week, it was so interesting. Last week, we did our big gifts fair. But the day before the gifts fair, Lynn was chopping fruit and organizing literally for five or six hours of the day. She was preparing everything. Like every little thing. I remember her snipping the grapes to make sure there's only like two or three on each little, little stem. And I was like, why are you spending your time, you know, snipping the grapes? People can just grab them. She's like, I want it to be hospitable. Excellent. I want people to be able to grab just the right amount. The details, the little things, the things that make life special. Women bring that in such a tremendous way. Amen. Thank you, mom, and the hospitality team for all you do. Now, what's exciting is men also, we, we, we need to learn those gifts. Women learn the gifts that are more naturally oriented for men. And men learn the gifts that are more naturally oriented for women because we're all trying to express the image of God. It was awesome last week in the, in the gifts fair. It was men who signed up to help with the hospitality table. So good job, men. Uh, joining and learning and wanting to be uh, excellent in that way. So as we study this, I want us to consider a few things. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 says, Does not wisdom call out? In the actual Hebrew, the word wisdom has a feminine origin. Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. It is oftentimes at the intersection of conflicting ideas and conflicting emotions. In the conundrums of paradox, where we begin to see God's nature. 
The very name of Israel, right, means to struggle. To struggle with God. And we find in life that we really cannot experience and understand God unless we struggle and unless we face things that don't have a very clear answer. Now, I know we all like clarity. Our My right brain, my man brain likes clarity. Everything perfect, everything right. Carrie would come home from work in the early days right after we got married and she was working for this big insurance company and I was working uh, for this sales company. And she would tell me about her day and anything that bothered her would make me mad. I was like, what? Why'd that happen? Here's what you need to do to fix it. Here's what you need to do to fix it. Do this, do this, do this. And of course, all women know that she doesn't need to be fixed. She needs to be listened to. She needs to be, you know, emotionally connected with. She needs to be empathized with. She needs to be saying, that stinks that that happened. Wow. What are you going to do about it? She already knows the answer. In these difficult places, that's where we, we touch God oftentimes. I like how it says, at the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. The intuitive mind is so precious. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you can des- you desire can compare with her. Do you see that? Incredible how the Bible itself brings in the power of that female wisdom. The wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you desire can compare with her. My wife, Carrie, is wise. She's so wise. And we always talk a lot. I, you know, I, I, I'm pretty good at, at writing papers and doing math problems. And I, I have some of the book smarts. But when it comes to practical stuff in life, and it comes to us helping lead the church, and we co-lead the church together, right? We're the, the lead evangelist and lead women's ministry leader. She has enormous wisdom. And it comes from this ability to meet complex ideas and have the intuition, the patience, the empathy to make good decisions. I mean, I see it all the time. I know for me, a simple story, you know, I remember, you know, back in 2012, we needed to buy a new car. And back then, uh, car uh, gas prices were rising. Of course, they went down. Now they're way high, right? But back then, I thought, okay, we're going to buy a, a car that's good on gas. And we I just couldn't figure out what car we needed to get. You know, our old one, you know, died. We needed to, to get a new one. So we researched. And as a typical guy, I researched everything. The gas mileage, the size of the back seat, the size of the trunk, every detail is reliability. We ended up settling on a VW that, that um, you know, was diesel because the gas mileage would be really good. And when we, when we started thinking, oh, this is what we're going to get, I remember being in there, and she was like, this is the one. She knew it was the one before we, you know, as soon as we drove it, she's like, this is the one. It took me hours and hours and hours of thinking and deliberating, and I even had to, to I was in the sales, the dealer's office, and I was like, we can't buy it now. You know how they were really mad at me, right? Then I walked out. I mean, we had all the contracts, like, no, I can't buy it now. i got to think about it for another day. And I drove home. And she was just laughing. She's just chuckling. She's like, I know. Just like almost all big decisions. Buying a car is a big decision. Buying a house is a big decision. Making a move in your life. Changing careers. Uh, Those are big decisions, right? Carrie has an intuition about these things. She has a wisdom. Whenever we choose where we live, of course, I always want her happy. But she has a wisdom to choose places and circumstances 
that will guide us in a way to honor God and bring God glory. So, of course, I went back the next day, bought the car. She knew all along. She's like, I just got to ride Ride it out with you. You're Mr. Clinical. Check all your boxes. For me, I had the, the intuition to know what would work well for us as a family. And women have that. And here's the thing I want us to get today. Unless we embrace both the rational, clear, clarity, right brain side, combine it with the left brain, which is more the intuition, which is more the creativity, we cannot touch and understand the nature of God. Albert Einstein said this, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a world that honors the servant, but has forgotten the gift. Women, God created to help us understand his nature. And within the nature of God, There is paradox and difficulty and complex things. And any of you that are good friends with your female, you know, roommates or sisters or mother or grandmother or whoever that is in your life, you know there's complexity within the female world of communication. And that complexity brings us and touches the nature of God. And with that, I want to bring an idea up to all of us. The question is, what can a woman do? What can a woman do? Well, we know in our culture today, even Bailey shared a little bit, there's still some systemic issues which make it difficult for women in our culture. However, what what can women do? Well, they they can lead a country. We see that in our world, right? They can run a company. They can pretty much do anything. There are still obstacles. There are clearly issues. And I want to bring up, well, what can a woman do in the church? And I want to put before all of us that women can do nearly everything. I put before you in the Bible, we see women do everything. Everything. I want to study a woman named Deborah. You guys ever read the story of Deborah? All right. Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5 tell the story of Deborah. And what's interesting, even this concept of bringing the right and the left, bringing rationality and intuition together, chapter 4 is sort of the historical account of what Deborah did. And chapter 5 is a, is a song written by Deborah and Barak talking about the story of what happened. But it's filled with creativity and nuance and intuition. And so for us to even understand the story of Deborah, you've got to read both chapters together to comprehend the story. In the same way for us to understand God, we need men and women and their view and perspective on all of life. And I put before us, what can a woman do? God allows women to do everything we see a man doing in the book of Deborah or in the book of Judges here with Deborah. Let's take a look and see what happens right here. In Judges chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Hashareth Hagoim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. 
Now, Deborah, which means bee, maybe loves honey and is fully industrious, but can sting and solve problems that they and defend themselves that they need to. Deborah, a prophet. You see that right there? Deborah, a prophet. The wife of Lapidoth. Lapidoth means torch or light or lantern. So her husband was, was a bright light too, I imagine. But the story is about his wife, Deborah. And it says right there, she was leading Israel at that time. This is, this is an amazing passage when you consider patriarchal culture, patriarchal society. Israel were God's chosen people. And we find a passage that says, Deborah, a prophet. Prophet means someone who tells the truth, a speaker of truth, both truth that will happen in the future and truth that's happening right now. She was telling people the truth. In the days of Shamgar, here's the poem, son of Anath, in the days of jail, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths, meaning you couldn't be out in the open, right? You had to hide because life was difficult. It was dangerous. You had an oppressive enemy. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose a mother in Israel. Wow. She was leading. She held a court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Ebenoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops, to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. So we find right here that there's a problem in the nation and they cry out to God to help them. And Deborah, who is the one uh, making decisions for the country, leading them in their choices, even in a patriarchal world, because she was able, because God had given her the spirit, because she was a prophet understanding, communing, and connecting with God. She's like a superhero, even in a patriarchal society. But notice her humility. She understood, hey, I, I'm, I'm not going to lead the army. She sent for Barak. She said, a man needs to step up. A man needs to lead, needs to go into battle right now. And she called him. She said, hey, go get 10,000 people to go with you and lead them. And, and then God's going to going to work on your behalf. He's, he's going to solve the problem that we've got, but go. And so he's like, I want to go, but you got to go with me. And so we find that she goes with him. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, because, because, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Now she wasn't actually talking about herself in this story. What ends up happening is Barak gets killed by another woman named Jael. There, Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. What can a woman do? Well, she's making decisions, big decisions. What can a woman do? She's courageous, inspiring. And what you notice here is she's inspiring both men and women. 
to lead and to do great things. She was a servant leader. If you notice, she's with him. She's not trying to, she's not saying, all right, I need to be in charge. She's like, no, you go and lead this battle. You go and fight and lead the army, but I'll go with you. I'm by your side. I'll do what is needed. She's the consummate servant leader, just as our Lord was a servant leader. It's not about authority or position. It's about passing on the gospel. What's so amazing is that Jesus, he never did appoint a woman as an apostle. You know, we have 12 apostles, they're all men. But you want to know something very interesting. If you look in the book of John, the word apostle actually means messenger. But Jesus appeared after his resurrection. The first person he appeared to was Mary Magdalene. And he told her, go and tell the apostles. Go and tell the brothers that I have come back. Go and pass on the message. So in in a sense, she was an apostle to the apostles. It's not really about your title or your role. It's about what God is calling you to do and reveal for his glory. It's incredible that God, he writes it that way. He's, he's trying to help all of us. The right brain and the left brain. He's trying to help all of us. But what can women do? I believe God can use women to do everything necessary to advance the kingdom of God. But we got to do it in a way that works. What works? Well, in different cultures, different things work. And God uses circumstances, people, and talent to make his gospel advance. And so we have the story here where Deborah says to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance... The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. It was the Lord, ultimately, it says, who routed Sisera, right? As we serve God in his kingdom, as we serve God on earth, it's never about us or our role. It's about God and his plan to change the world. You guys listening? I want women to understand you're so valuable, so needed. Our culture still has systemic issues in it. They, they're, they're going on. They've been going on for generations, and they'll continue to go on. But I do believe the Holy Spirit is refining and changing each of us. He's refining and changing our churches. He's refining and changing our mindsets. And he's opening us up so that somehow we can establish his kingdom on earth like it is in heaven. I don't think we're fully going to get there until he returns. So what can a woman do? Well, let's look and see what Deborah does, right? She does some amazing things. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. How inspiring, right? Here she is. She was called because of her divine connection to God to be the judge, the guide, and the leader of the nation of Israel, God's people at that time. It's the only account we have of a woman leading the nation of Israel at any time. But it is in the scriptures. But I love how what she's interested in is not her role or her prestige. 
She says in this song, when the princes in Israel take the lead. She wants men to step up and lead and fulfill the God-given calling that he's given each one of us. And certainly as men, there's a call for us to be leaders, strong, protective, able to handle the most complex circumstances, just like Deborah was able to do. And she subjugated herself to that vision of wanting the princes in Israel to rise up. What can a woman do? All things necessary to help the kingdom of God advance. And I am not putting before you that I'm changing our doctrinal stance on all the the difficult scriptures that are in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul talked about. But what I do want us to look at is I want us to open up our mind and look at the scriptures and go, what can a woman do? Well, she was the leader of the nation of Israel, but she was humble. She wanted men to raise up. She wanted things to go in a way that brought unity and peace and joy. And she said, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Last week, I want to commend the entire congregation for willingly offering yourselves to all the various gift sets and goals and responsibilities in our church. Awesome job. We got, we got a stack of cards for people volunteering to build our church, men and women combined. Amen. And I'm so inspired when I see the hearts of our young people. I know um, two years ago, my daughter Caitlin and I, we, we did a trip with Billy down to Mexico. And it was incredible. My daughter Caitlin has a heart to serve the less fortunate. There's a compassion in her that, that sometimes I don't notice it, but then all of a sudden she just totally flattens me and surprises me. That she's like, wow, her heart and compassion for the needy and the less fortunate is deep inside of her. Praise the Lord for the willing heart. And all of us here today, God is calling us to have willing hearts. Women, you are a gift from God. Let's remind ourselves that the intuitive mind is a sacred gift. Meaning, not everything makes sense in the intuitive mind. Many competing ideas gather together. There's art, there's beauty, there's poetry there. There's knowledge and insight in between the verses, so to speak. Sadly, though, westernized culture, it is still man-oriented. It is still rational. It is still A plus B equals C, and if you don't like it, get out of here. But that's not really, when you get older and I'm getting older, you realize that doesn't always work in life. That doesn't get the job done half the time. You've got to sit in the uncomfortable difficulties of life. And persevere and hang in there and wrestle with emotion and wrestle with feelings and doubts and questions. And as we consider the women's role as a church, we have to realize we're on a journey. It's a journey of difficulty, of of traveling upon complexity. How does this work? How do we understand the scriptures? We had a tremendous teaching done several weeks ago within our church. It's going to be available online. It is available online about how to read the Bible, how to understand the women's role. And we're going to, Kenny and I are going to host, and and Mark Shump, our elder, we're going to host a Zoom call coming up in April where we can discuss this more of how that will apply. On the whole, I think the West Side, we're applying it in an awesome way. And you see the leadership roles that women have, and we believe in that 100%. 
But we do want to make sure as a church we've addressed it accurately, biblically. But I want us to understand we have to have this open mind to this, to this complexity and how God is changing us and how he uses women as this gift to open our mind to his very nature. Let's honor the gift, the gift of women to all of us today. I love you guys. Have a great weekend. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.